Good evening, everyone. Karsi Bhaktaki Jai. Pandamir Jali Karasi Ki Jai. Say a few words about Karasi. The uh, literal meaning of the word Ikadasi, of course, is the, it refers to the eleventh day Ikadasi, eleventh day of the waning and the waxing of the moon, so it occurs twice in a month. <clears throat> and it has been identified as well with Hari's day, the day of Hari, <clears throat> so a day for remembering him. And typically it's uh, done or observed, I would say, what, what is often thought to be the central focus of the observance is the ubavas or uh, fasting. Um, and different standards of that, of course. This is the day in which uh, the uh, near jaw without water, without food, is, is emphasized, uh, as related, perhaps in Mahabharata or the Puranas. Um, maybe we'll go into that a little bit. But but um, it's, unless properly understood, the Upavas is not necessarily the center. We know that bhakti of Rupa Goswami, the Uttam bhakti, there are different kinds of bhakti, but he is, of course, uh, his tome, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, is about Uttam bhakti, and there are different types of Uttam bhakti, basically, or different stages of Uttam bhakti. Uttam bhakti of the sadhana stage, Uttam bhakti of the bhava stage, and Uttam bhakti of the... Uh, Prem stage or the perfection. It's termed otherwise in Gita, Ananya Bhakti, sometimes Shuddha Bhakti. They're all different uh, terms for the same idea. The Rupa Goswami is beautifully defined in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in the verse out of which his whole book expands. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Anyabhilashita sunyam gyan karmadiyanabhitam anukulena krishna anushilanam bhakti rutam. There, the term Uttam Bhakti. And um, the marginal characteristics he describes first that it's not covered by karma and jnana. Implications of that, of course, are many, are significant, but we move in the world under the influence of karma and jnana. These are the two tracks, if you will, in which the world runs. Boga and Tyag would be another way to, to present it. Kind of two sides of the same coin, inasmuch as the coin is the world and the karma or the boga is trying to capture it and the tyag um, or the gyan, tyag means renunciation and tyag is a renunciation is the corollary of gyan it's about moving away from the world so both are centered on the world the karmi wants to capture the world and the tyagi or the gyani one in knowledge in other words who the knowledge being that uh, you can't acquire anything. You want to acquire the whole world. The fact is, you come up with an empty, empty-handed the whole time. Right? There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a carrot of acquisition and the promise of a square meal, but the whole affair of material acquisition ends in indigestion because it's but an appetizer. Hmm and a square meal never comes. So the acquisition is something that either, either falls through our hands or even worse, it turns into something quite the opposite. Happiness through acquisition turns into distress at the time of its uh, departure of its own course. Hmm? So suffering is born, as the Gita says, from the womb of attachment. So knowledge, of course, then is uh, 
simply put, a person in knowledge will not pursue enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure. That's not very bright. And so the corollary then of knowledge is renunciation, jag, vairagya. But both of these courses that we traverse along knowingly or unknowingly, unsystematically, um, can are also honed in the sacred text. So the, the karma, the acquisition, is honed into a path, and and gyan is honed into into a path as well. That um, that harnesses these tendencies amongst those who are driven primarily by them in a way that seeks a uh, in, in a way that is uh, brings one in touch with uh, um, um, more tangible kind of improvement um, uh, than uh, than than going about about them unknowingly or unsystematically. But that said, each being of the world worldly centered trying to acquire the world trying to get away from the world um, they have not the power under themselves to produce a transcendent result so karma is driven by rajaguna and gyan is driven by sattvaguna so these are like uh, uh, and I've often said in, in karma, there's no knowledge. There's only movement, if you will. And in gyan, there's no movement. There's contemplative stillness. But in love, there is movement and there is knowing also. So this is bhakti. So it takes, it harmonizes these two tendencies within us by um, focusing them on an other than worldly center, hmm? the source of the world, Krishna, Inuttam Bhakti. So there's movement, and there's knowing or knowledge, and there is a corresponding type of corollary of renunciation within Bhakti in the context of loving Krishna. Of course, we're going to give up things that are not favorable to loving Him. So that's what our renunciation amounts to. It's a very pleasing form of renunciation. Otherwise, renunciation and gyan are not limbs of bhakti. Again, they're constituted of, of, of sattva-guna. Hmm. Um, so, such is the world. And then, so what is the value then, you might say, of these paths and the scriptures talking about them unto themselves without speaking about bhakti, as I am, and Showing how they those tendencies can be um, spiritualized, if you will, um, and the answer is, of course, that um, <laughs> while the karma mark is about material acquisition and the gyan mark is about renunciation, they're both paths that are enunciated in the scriptures that are suitable for people who don't have adhikar eligibility for bhakti. They're, they're, they're too much either leaning towards boga or they're too much leaning towards tag. Rupa Goswami teaches in Bhaktarasamrita Sindhu the middle path, so to speak. One cannot be too much predisposed towards enjoyment nor, nor, pretty much, nor too much predisposed towards renunciation to tread the path of bhakti. So some people are too much prone to one direction or the other. And so the scripture is very generous to Revelation to try to capture them. Hmm? Capture them, give them a systematic path, but you may say, what is the value of the systematic path if it doesn't produce a transcendental result, ultimately? Hmm? And of course the answer is that such, uh, by catering to or tendering to the these, these two dispositions and offering a path that corresponds with them. In the case of karma dangles a fruit, you could have more this way. 
if you do it systematically in the path of jnana, you can have peace. You can go. To, you can rest. You can stop working. Hmm? You can relax. That may be the motive by which persons become involved in the path, those paths. But the greater fruit, of course, of each of these is that they develop some faith in Shastra, in Revelation. Hmm? And so, if you look more closely, hmm, from, from, from inquiring about Dharma, about karma, Dharma Jignasu, comes the inquiry about Brahma Jignasu. Hmm? Comes the inquiry about Rasa Jignasu. Hmm? So, to get, to have faith in the scriptures, like you hear, well, I do this sacrifice on this day. Kadasi is a good example because the stories of the different ekadasis are given in the Puranas, and mostly the fruits of them that are described are things that if you read about, it, you go, well, I wasn't really interested in that because you're a devotee. But of course, they are, the scriptures take a license to exaggerate and um, to bring certain people in, in certain, especially with regard to these paths. Mm. And um, so, there are codice or any other, so many other uh, vows, vratas, sacrifices, um, procedures, and so forth that might seem kind of magical in some respects um, uh, that produce a desired result that more than the, the actual or the, uh, the apparent result, which is the material result, I get a good wife, I get a good daughter. Uh, as may be the case of my interest, I get faith in the scriptures. So I look more deeply into it. So from the karma kanda to the to the, the gyan kanda, hmm? and of course the whole thing culminates in 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 the uh, in the amal purana, Srimad Bhagavatam, hmm? from our perspective and for good reason, um, where bhakti is weighed in on in no uncertain terms, which is whole. Uh, Answer to the dilemma of Vyas after compiling all the sacred text, he was still not satisfied. He's, they've done justice, and Nard told him, "Certainly, indeed, you haven't. You have not emphasized bhakti in no uncertain terms." So, so the ripened fruit, if you will, of the tree of the Vedic literature, Srimad Bhagavatam, was composed. It was actually already composed, but it was re-edited, so to speak, um, as the Sandarvas. Jiva Goswami have beautifully explained. <clears throat> so, um, karma, jnana, these are the two tendencies of, of, the, of the world. I'm sure how we got on that direction, but <laughs> you're talking about ecodicy, but uh, um, good points. Uh, but um, the, um, yes, the, the ecodicy is thought to be about uh, fasting, which might be seen as a, as, a, as, a, as a giving up or as a renunciation. And if we understand it only as such, and not in the more wholesome way in which I'm going to explain, it might be evidence of someone coming to bhakti, but being influenced more by, by jnana samskar. And therefore, in tending to interpret bhakti from that perspective. So we see this happen. People come from these two tracks of karma and jnana, they come into bhakti. But they bring with them their baggage, if you will. They come to uttam bhakti, they believe in uttam bhakti, they have faith in the ideal of unalloyed devotion. So they're on the path, because that's their ideal. Their ideal is not mixed bhakti. Hmm? They don't want mixed bhakti of jnana and karma, jnana and bhakti, and to attain uh, shantaras or, or or something less, bhakti, jnana mixed with bhakti, to attain sayuja or something. They want uh, to attain, let us say, the ideal, goloka, brindaban, braj bhakti. Hmm? They've identified with that. So they're on the path of uttam bhakti, but hmm, they just by their samskar, they may tend to interpret it in a, in a, you know, with an emphasis on jnana and renunciation. We see devotees like that. They're 
once we were sitting in the uh, uh, in Sri Chaitanya Saraswat Mat, and um, it was uh, Ekadasi, and Pujapachita Marsh wanted that uh, all the devotees would take uh, Ekadasi Prashad, and there we were sitting for lunch, having Ekadasi Prashad, and there was one disciple of uh, Bhakti, uh, Bhakti um, um, Madhav Marsh, I forget his, 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 his full sannyas title, um, Bhakti Daiti Madhav Maharaj, uh, another godbrother of Prabhupada, one of his disciples was staying with Pujapachita Marsh, He's a little older than us, Brahmachari. <laughs> and uh, so it was Ikadasi. And there we were taking prasadam. And then he walked in front of us. Hmm? We were sitting up on a little, a little elevated ledge, and he was on the, on the ground walking in front, chanting Japa, mm-hmm. up and down. Chanting. And obviously he was, he was making the point. He was fasting, you know, and, uh, and chanting. And he was a little bit angry, if, if you will, you know. A little bit proud, hmm? so his austerity, his tiag, was uh, taking precedent, and uh, and a sense that um, that uh, our observance was was lacking in some way. It doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Hmm? Therefore, we find different degrees of fasting and so forth. Even as, uh, although what's described in Hari Bhakti Vilas is a very high standard, we find over the generations the charges have adjusted according to the time and circumstance with a view to deliver the principle hmm? and not allow the sadhakas to get caught up on a, on a detail or off on a tangent even with extreme uh, uh, observances uh, that... Uh, don't really foster what the term upavas really means at its heart. It means fasting, but it also means, vasa means residence, and upa means, in this case, near, to, to reside near, hari, bhagavan. This is what the kadasi is about, to reside. So the practices, the attendant practices it, or observances that which constitutes observances, they may be many and they may be varied and may be done in different ways, but the purport, the import, the whole idea of the codice is to is to bring oneself closer to Bhagavan, to remember him. So if we're fasting and getting angry <laughs> at other devotees who aren't, um, this is not going to uh, cause the Bhagavan to reside near in your heart is the idea. It's just to bring the Godhead into the heart. This is the the uh, that the center idea of bhakti. So it's a very positive thing, and not a negative thing. Once we were walking with um, my guru Maharaj, uh, Srila Prabhupada in Chicago, and uh, one of my godbrothers asked um, him that is ecstasy inauspicious. And therefore, we fast, or is it auspicious? And then, if so, why do we fast? Uh, in other words, you might fast uh, from a dietary point of view to counteract something that's inauspicious that you've eaten that you couldn't digest. So you're going to fast to, to get rid of it. So fasting is a cleansing, and um, that kind of a, a negative. Uh, has a negative connotation, although it seeks a positive result. Hmm? So he asked the question, and Prabhupada said, um, no, he said, fasting, Akadasi is not fasting, it is feasting. (laughs) And so um, what he meant by that is something like this. It's it's thought um, that during the eleventh uh, day of the waning and the waxing moon, as much as the moon has um, influence over the tides, hmm? so the body is made primarily of the human body of fluids, of water, liquid. Hmm? And so when the moon shows this face, the tides in the body tend to rise and they press on the senses, making one more prone to enjoying. Hmm? And the whole 
problem of material life is to be driven by the senses, to pursue the sense objects, which creates an identity, right? My attachments, my, my sense of my determines my sense of I. Hmm? So I think this is mine, I want this, I want that, and that's who I am. Hmm? So this is the whole problem. So in this sense, fasting is, is, is to bring down the tides, you know, to hold them off, so to speak, because you'll be prone in a certain way. But the Bhagavatas, prone towards, let's say, sense indulgence. But the Bhagavatas, they, the, the, the devotees, they're not thinking hmm, about the material body. They don't have material bodies. Hmm? We can say that we're not the body. That's true. But uh, that was a body that we gave up at the time of initiation. Hmm? Mahaprabhu told Sanatan Goswami, there's the time of initiation, you get a spiritual body. What he means is that, that by living within the parameters of the of, of bhajan, that uh, the details of which will be determined by the preceptor for any perspective, any particular student, then our body, material body, is now a work in progress that... Uh, involves engaging the senses, bringing them in contact with sense objects only for the pleasure of the senses of Bhagavan. Again, this is Bhakti Rishikena Rishikesha Sevanam Bhakti Rishikena. This is a verse from Narad Pancharatra that um, that uh, Rupa Goswami drew from to construct his verse that I cited earlier, Anyabhilashitastunyam. So, um, So the pre, so the devotees have a sadaka deha. It's not a material body. It's not quite a spiritual body yet until it's mature. And as it matures, by way of only being engaged in relation to sense objects for the pleasure of the Lord of the senses, Krishna, and the mind, the central kind of hub of the sensual life, the, the sixth sense, becomes absorbed, bhakti becomes internalized, and so forth, then proportionately, as this, this sadhaka deya, both its uh, gross and subtle features, are absorbed, then this, then this siddha deya arises. Of course, that's now a meditative spiritual body. Both bodies are spiritual. Hmm? Sadhaka deya, and the internal citadel. Therefore, we take the, the photo or the painting or what may be the case that uh, reminds us of the form of the acharya, and we, uh, we celebrate that. It will be worshipable. The samadhi tomb is built uh, around such. So it has a place in eternity is the point. Eternity in the mind, the meditative minds of the devotees, even after the acharya, is past. Hmm? So that's why that's why there is a particular ceremony for the acharya or the or the mature sadhu, the superlative devotee, rather than cremation, which is the norm, there is a celebrating of an honoring of the form that has been completely um, spiritualized. This is a this is like something like the transubstantiation we hear about in Catholicism when you the water and the, the body and the, what is it, the water and the wine turn into the body and the blood of the Christ, something like that. It's, it, they're material items, but they got transubstantiated. Hmm. Similar idea. So these type of themes you'll find throughout all the, even the, even the idea of a spiritualized body is there in, 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 in the Christian idea. It's, um, I think in some circles not well understood, but uh, the idea is, is is there nonetheless. Um, you know, rising up and rising their bodies and joining. Um, so, at any rate, <clears throat> the devotee's focus, my point is, is on Krishna's body, hmm? Krishna's form. Hmm? And that Focus is forming his or her own shape, 
and transforming it and so forth. And so the devotees are thinking it's ecodicy. Hmm? And in the Braj Bhakti, of course, Krishna is one of us. He's, he, he's not separated from us by a palace and a throne hmm? and the object of our worship that in relation to which or, there, there's a distance between ourselves and himself. No, in love, the object of worship and the worship, they become one. The worship is, 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 is not a... Worship is a calculated thing. I will worship now. Hmm? Love is a spontaneous thing. You don't think about it. It's, it just flows naturally. There's a labor, apparently, but for who's performing it, it's love. Hmm? So this is the basic idea of the Bhakti. So the idea is that it's ecodicy, so Krishna's body can enjoy more. Hmm? on this day because of the tithes so we'll offer him a feast so Prabhupada said this is what he meant ecodicy is feasting not fasting hmm? because we're living in Krishna consciousness right so if Krishna eats nicely I'm happy I'm satisfied devotees don't eat what's the need for fasting devotees don't eat hmm? do you understand they honor prasadam <laughs> that's a whole different thing Right? Krishna eats. Mm-hmm. And then he passes some grace to us in the form of the remnants, and we honor that. Mm-hmm. So uh, in, in, in Jagannath Puri, the devotees were confused, Mahaprabhu's associates, because the, obviously Jagannath Prashadam is very famous. There's like 64 kitchens in the temple, and the cooking is like uh, going on all day long, right? So it's very famous Prashadam. Uh, and people who come from all over the all over the subcontinent, nowadays all over the world, to get Jagannath Prashadam. And if people bring it from a distant place, from Puri, to a distant place, and bring it out in a little plastic bag, and here you go. Everybody quick to honor the Mahaprasad of Lord Jagannath. Very magnanimous form is Jagannath. He must be. I mean, his eyes are big and wide, looking, as Mahaprabhu saw it, for Radha everywhere. He's Krishna in Dwarka, reminded of Vrindavan, transforming. And so when you got him in a position like that, he's easy to approach, and he's overflowing, and so forth. So one of the forms in which that uh, manifests is, is this abundance of prasadam. So the devotees would regularly honor the prasadam. That's what they would, would eat. And so... Um, They were. They proposed. They, they presented a, an apparent dilemma to Chaitanya Dev that it's a codice, We should fast, and they would apparently they would fast strictly from drinking water, uh, drinking food, water and food. But but there's the Jagannath Prashad is is there. So how do we resolve this? Of course, Mahaprabhu said, "That's all right. You can observe the codice, and then you will." Honor the prashad. You pay your obeisances to the prashadam. Hmm. So, honoring the prashadam is not eating. Is the point? And this is the, this is how we have to approach that um, very uh, generous uh, form of bhakti, if you will, to take full advantage of. Hmm. And so, so on. So, therefore, ekadasi is feasting if you're properly connected to the idea conceptually. Hmm? And um, and then because, let's say, typically, let's take let's take Raghunath Das, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami. We don't hear much about Raghunath Bhatta Goswami. He didn't write any books. He's the one of the six Goswamis. He didn't write anything. So the reason is he didn't have time. He was too busy cooking. Hmm? He was a cook at the Radha Temple, which is the yoga pit, out of which the whole... All of the leelas expand, which was the center at that time of Vrindavan. Hmm? And uh, so he was busy cooking, and when, it, when he didn't have enough ingredients to cook all the things that he would like to cook, he would cook them in his mind hmm? and offer them, and devotees would taste them, even though they weren't there on the plate. 
something like that. So he was very busy. He also used to sing the Bhagavatam, it said, in five different tunes and serenade the devotees with verses from Bhagavatam. Hmm. Um, so imagine what he was like on a codice. Now, he, Krishna's going to be, can enjoy more today, so he was too busy cooking to eat. So he's, his fasting is a byproduct, if you will, it's not the focus, I will fast. The focus is, I will endear myself to, to, to Bhagwan hmm? because I know something about him on this day and I can add extra preparations and he'll, be, he'll honor them. And so, as a byproduct of that, my own um, apparent concerns, bodily concerns for eating or whatnot or sleeping or uh, well, even hygiene, uh, are transcended. Sometimes they don't clip their nails or cut their hair. Or there's no time for that. Uh, so this is kind of the positive, if you will, ness of the observance of ecodicy, which is very appropriate given that bhakti itself is, its whole defense, if you will, is the strategy of a good uh, offense. You take tyag or gyan, vairagya, this is a very, uh, it's a defensive posture to take. Bhakti is a very offensive uh, posture to love. And in the context of that, well, you can give up certain things. Uh, what did Uddhava say? Our renunciation is that we wear the vestments of Krishna that are handed down. Hmm? So he's kind of like making fun of the tyagis who cover themselves with ashes, the dress in ashes. Our renunciation is we wear the vestments of Krishna. And Krishna was the prince in Dwarka. So he's dressed up pretty good, looking like a fancy, you know, uh, enjoyer. Hmm? But he rightfully understood that this is real renunciation. Real renunciation of what? Hmm? Of the sense, the false sense of proprietorship that we're possessed of. So... Nothing belongs to me, not even ashes. I own, everything belongs to Krishna, and if he gives me something to wear, then I've got something to wear. And it's also, of course, if you, if, if gyan and tyag is about giving up the enjoying spirit, the taking spirit, by not taking, not taking, not taking, hmm, then that is accomplished more readily, that not taking, by giving. Because not taking is part of giving. It's automatic, it's built in. So in the jnani, where there's no bhakti, there's no giving. He's just trying to get away. <laughs> he wants peace. He wants freedom. We're teaching slavery. It may not be too popular. It has to be properly explained, though. So by wearing the vestments of Krishna, he's, it's a very user-friendly idea. But... It's a very, it's a much more comprehensive, powerful, and ego-effacing approach to giving up the taking. Because if I can stop taking and relax, that's one thing. But if I have to serve, oh, I have to work again? I have to do something? Hmm? And, and, and non-stop? Hmm? Right? That's the problem. That's why the deities don't talk to most devotees, because if they do, well, then they have no time to do anything. <laughs> <All right>, so, <laughs> he comes in a form that you can handle, something like that. <laughs> but at some point they will, and then it'll be well and good. But So the point is that if you want to uproot the enjoying ego, then start giving and to give properly such that you can experience the adage that giving is the getting, you have to know where to give. Hmm? Because if the giving on your part, even if it's unmotivated, but it's given in a place where it can't be received, then there, then, then the, the, the getting is not going to be there. But Krishna is Swami Bhagavan, he's the supreme enjoyer. So you give that to that center. And he's capable of reciprocating. So you can experience the adage that the giving is the receiving fully.
in Krishna consciousness, a very simple, universally accepted uh, statement. We get shades of it, right? When we give, we we get something that's intangible in one sense, but we, there's a feeling of more wholeness, completion, having gained internally. But the whole idea is the hone, the giving, in terms of the motivation, on the one hand, it should be hoituki, and then in terms of the object in which it is reposed, or to which the giving is given. Both things have to be in place in order to experience something that everybody accepts that uh, and it has a, because they have a little experience of it in the world giving is the getting this is the whole you know the, the secret of life that life proceeds positively by giving not by taking which seem we seem like we have less if we give but we actually get more so you know the Zen adage is there less is more and that's true so this is something about the idea of a codice, the, the the bhakti perspective on it, the wholeness of it. It's wholly positive. It's Bhagavan's day, so the day to celebrate his his divinity, his his being the enjoyer, his being the center. Hmm. And so it will be observed in different ways by uh, extra cooking, by extra chanting, uh, um, and, and so forth. And and this is what, by whatever the particular. Uh, manifest uh, observances, this is the result you want. So if you're not getting the result by the way you're doing the observance, then you want to adjust it in order to, to bring Bhagavan near, hmm? to chant more. or If it means to eat because you've got a headache and you can't think of Krishna, then take, take, take uh, the Kadasi Prashadam. Hmm? Not that you get angry and fast and, and so forth. So this is the idea. As far as Bhima goes, this is his day, the Pandava Bhima. Um, he had, had a difficulty uh, with the fasting side um, uh, of, of Ikadasi because um, he, he, he's the, the son of Vayu, so... Got this digestive wind in his in his in his stomach that's never satiated, and um, and he brick odara odara means of course the belly and brick means also fire. So the, the the fire of digestion was very powerful within him, and it, and if he couldn't, he had to if he didn't eat a full at least a full and big meal every day. A voracious eater he, he was. Then uh, he couldn't fu- he couldn't function. He was a powerful person, but he had to eat. Hmm. Meanwhile, Draupadi, the other uh, Yudhisthira, Arjun, Nikul Sahadev, they, they all observed Ekadasi. They fasted. They were all they are all one family, all in Sakirasa. Hmm. They're Sakirasa, Bhima Sakirasa, Sankul. So it's mixed with 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 Dasya. Um, 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 and they're all of the Sambandha. Puri Sambandi. So there's Sakas in the metropolitan context, not in Braj. So it's it's a little bit um, different. Not as powerful, if you will, as the Sakiras in Braj, where if Krishna shows some Aishvarya, it won't get in the way of their intimacy and friendship, whereas we know in the Gita, a prominent example, Krishna showed his majesty, and Arjuna was taken back and, and thought, oh, I, my, my intimacy with you is, is maybe it's offensive because you're God, something like that. But great devotees, and much to learn from them. In this case, as they say, Bhima had a problem with, uh, with this uh, fasting idea which is one of the typical ways, as we're explaining, of observing an aspect of observance of the Ekadasi. And so he approached Vyas, and uh, and um, Vyas spoke with some emphasis on the virtues of Ekadasi and so on and so forth. And finally, some resolution was uh, they arrived at that on this particular Ekadasi, hmm, that if you fast from food and drink, Every year in this one codice, then the observance of all the other codices will be um, 
included. So he was given a special concession, which is just to say, as I have said, um, that how it will be observed, the particulars, that is up to the determination of the preceptor who has the power to adjust the details to deliver the principle. Hmm? So there's a, there's, a, there's a strong problem or a, 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 a problem that will occurs often, unfortunately, in which the sadhakas misidentify the details with the principles. They make the details principles. And so when a powerful teacher adjusts the details in a certain time and circumstance or relation to a particular individual, they think he or she is deviating there because these are the principles and they can't these things can't be changed. No, the principle is something else. The details are meant to help promote and bring into the lives the principle and realize it. It's an interesting example that Prabhupada gave in this regard when he wrote in his summary study of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that one of the Angas of Bhakti uh, he, he, he's writing about acceptance of vows and so forth, that they should be done according to the capacity of the student and fixed up, um, because if you take a vow to do more than you can do, then it becomes counterproductive, right? And um, so he gave the example that chanting 16 rounds is a detail. Who reads? <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, he, he said, we've fixed it that our students will chant 16 rounds. But he fixed it as a detail. Originally, he told them to chant 64 rounds. And then he told them to chant 32 rounds. And then they, he, 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 So this is a detail. Now, he fixed it for his students and so forth. Hmm. But uh, he fixed other things also in the time and circumstance. But also, even in his absence, time and circumstance have changed. His mission has changed in such a way that some people haven't felt... Um, sheltered within it, uh, whether for good or bad reason, uh, let someone else be the judge in every particular instance, but who is in the parampara representing that teaching now should, uh, has a role uh, or the capacity to play a role in helping them even adjust vows they've already taken that in certain circumstances where there was support they could follow, outside of which, or without, hmm, they're having difficulty becoming neurotic because they're not following or losing hope. And and so to adjust, and this is what is uh, the work, the the core, the kind of uh, center piece of preaching, as much as an acharya is a preacher or teacher, you have to adjust the details. You have to create uh, teachable moments and and so on and so forth. The point here is to be under the guidance of a Vaishnav, hmm? in whom in whom who has awakened faith within us. Whom, when we hear, whom, when we see in practice, we are inspired by naturally, happily, hmm? compelled, even. Hmm? Um, to be under the guidance of such a person, it's a, it's an, it's affair of the heart. Hmm? It's a well reasoned heart, but to come under that affectionate, protective, uh, to be in a, in a tight fist. I, I I like the story I've told a few times. Some of you may not have heard, but um, years ago I was when I was in Chaitanya Saraswat Mat in Navadweep, I wanted to get a murdanga. Hmm? So I approached Manu Mangal, Siddhamarsa's disciple, who was blind, who was the chief, uh, the principal kirtanir, a beautiful voice, and he played Murdanga. He would sleep in the temple and wake up in the morning and sing the Mangal Artik and so forth. And so he was a very good Murdanga player. So I asked him, if you take me to the market, I want you to pick out the Murdanga, a good one. And he said, all right. And he said, let me ask Guru Maharaj for his permission. And we're living in Navadweep. <laughs> along the bank of the Ganges here, you know. And 
the, the Murdunga store is like, you know, a stone's throw away. And he had to ask Guru Maharaj's permission to go there. I just felt so, that, that was so charming to me. Hmm? He wouldn't go anywhere. Even just, I mean, it's not what we, you're not going to fall down, go into this, you know, or, and, and it's getting a, a Murdunga for a sannyasi. He was a brahmacharya, I was a sannyasi. Get a Murdunga for, you know, it's a totally spiritual, you know, um, errand, if you will. Uh, and I had Guru Maharaj permission. And I, had, I felt so, I thought, oh, I'm in a good place here. <laughs> this is how they feel about their Guru Maharaj. <laughs> and so um, that Acharya then had, that's what we want. That's the substance of it. We, we want to be under the guidance. We want that someone of real spiritual consequence has us on their mind. That's that's what we want. That's how we should kind of center our life as a sadhaka. And they are kripa sindhu they, they are ocean of mercy, compassionate. So they try to tweak it and adjust the details in such a way, uh, uh, make it work, something like that, within within reason. Maybe you have to change the circumstance and so forth. That may be the case. But but um, but point is, there are many details. And they, they, we need to be under the care of someone who understands the difference between details and principles and can say, I don't care what Prabhupada said, I'm saying this, and this is why. Just to give an example, that would sound like blasphemy in some, some, some circles. But, 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 um, but that's the solution. Like some people ask, for example, what would Prabhupada say? The answer is, is, is found in Guru Parampara. That's what he would say. That's what Guru Parampara means. Hmm? Do you understand? In new circumstances now, the same re- representation of the Absolute of Krishna is present to answer that question. So the Guru is not separate from the Guru Parampara. It's to separate him either from the past or from the future. This is a pro- huge problem. Hmm? This is a huge. This will be a huge problem. This, this will um, very much um, um, create uh, an impediment to making spiritual progress. So, so again, we see here is Vyas, and he adjusts the Akadasi for Bhima. One day a year, you observe this and. And he had the power to do that. Bhakti Siddhanta Sastri Thakur, I was thinking about this the other day. It's a famous story that, uh, um, and, and it was Bhakti Daitimadava Maharaj, actually, whose disciple I had mentioned was that angry chanter uh, that, that day. Madhava Maharaj um, was asked or, uh, uh, to, to go some distance for some preaching and it was on a codicy. Hmm? And so, Guru Maharaj Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur told, it's a you, you have to go travel, because typically, they would, you know, if you're going to fast, you sit down, that's what you do, you don't do anything. Like, we do things, so we take Maha Prashad and, and uh, Kadasi Prashad and so forth. So, um, so, because he was going to be traveling, Guru Maharaj made him take full prasad, eat grains on a kadasi. <gasps> you know, you've, it's like killing your mother or something. They have all, there's all kind of, you know, strong, you know, type of statements like this in, in the Shastras just to scare us to follow a kadasi on a certain level, you know. It's not for, for Uttambhaktas to be motivated by such things. But there, he, he had the power to, to do that. Uh, this is a, a unique circumstance, and it's not every day, and so forth. And, and but, and Madhavmarsh had the confidence. Gurumarsh, eat rice on, <laughs> on the Kadasi. So, so the that's what, that's what, this is what we want. And of course, if Kadasi, as much as it's about endearing ourselves to, to Krishna, then um, we'll do that by endearing ourselves to. To his devotees. Pandavanir Jalakada CK Jai. Any question? So is there a way to know 
if we please Krishna on this day? Like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a way, there's, there's a couple ways to know, of course. One way is if you tried hard, sincerely, then you know. Because Baba Grahijanardana, this is his name, he pleased by the effort, by the sincerity. Hmm? The details are important, but if they're in place, but the heart's not in the right place, then they have no currency. But if the heart's in the right place, even the details are botched, still they have currency, right? It has currency. And so Vidura's wife was feeding the banana peels to Krishna, and Krishna was eating them. So, um, if you give your all in all, so to speak, you exercise your heart, bhakti is an exercise of the heart, and then you know, then of course, if you do that enough, you'll 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 you won't have to ask that I please Krishna. It's like the uh, the girl, young girl was pregnant, and um, she knew that she was going to come into labor soon because others had told her. So she was feeling tired and and she wanted to take a little rest. So she asked her mother, "Mom, if I go into labor, can you wake me up?" Mom said, "You won't when you go into labor." You'll know you went into labor. So that's another way in which you'll know. Hmm. How do I know if I'm making advancement? Well, there's two ways. And I'm following sincerely. My heart's in the right place. I'm trying. That you can't go wrong, but in a fuller sense. As the cleansing is accomplished, then there'll be the decorating of the heart. There'll be the reciprocation. So, and you know, in one sense, the question is answers. Because if you want to know, I really want to do it right, then then you're you're doing it right, (laughs) in a basic sense. You follow? Yes. Okay. Anything else? All right. Sri Sri Gaurantananda ki jai. Guru Vishnu Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanande. Bancha Kalpa Tarubis Chakra Pasindu Vye.